Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And it says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Over in the book of Colossians, the third chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do if you feel like it. Oh, wait a minute, it doesn't say that. Both of these verses, I wonder why he put those in the Bible, but he's telling us in both of these verses that we are to forgive others the way Christ has forgiven us. wonder why he put those verses in the Bible. In Matthew, the sixth chapter... Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. And you know most of the prayer. Most of you can quote this. But in the middle of this prayer, in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, he puts this phrase, and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us or as we forgive our debtors. Again, he is expressing very much the same statement that he made in Ephesians and Colossians. And that is, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. Listen to me say this. Forgiveness is free. I'll say it again. Forgiveness is free. The central theme of all of Jesus' message, he's the most important character in all of Scripture, and the theme of Jesus' message was the kingdom of God. And the second most important thing that Jesus ever taught or instructed was forgiveness. Say forgiveness with me. Would you just say forgiveness? Jesus knew that nature... The very nature that he had created doesn't blame or point a finger when things go wrong. If you look at nature and you study nature, for instance, if you cut your finger, you injure your finger, uh, immediately at the moment your finger is cut, the life forces of your body immediately go to the aid of the injured area. The injured area of your body, wherever it is you cut or injure your body, instantly those healing forces will fight off infection by sending the, the, the white blood cells. They'll come to fight infection. Uh, the blood will start coagulating to stop and prevent excessive bleeding. And uh, uh, the body immediately goes into action to bring healing. You know, it's amazing 
that the body doesn't begin to search out who it was that did the damage. The body doesn't go into this mode of operation by saying, wait a minute, you know, um, before I decide whether or not I'm going to fix this problem, I'm going to see who done it and why they did it. Isn't that amazing? Your body doesn't operate that way. Your body doesn't ask you, did you do this on purpose or was it an accident? Doesn't ask that question. Doesn't affect how it's going to minister to that. Your body just instantly begins to fix the problem. It doesn't do like we do sometimes and go, well, you know, if you did this intentionally and you did this because you wanted to hurt me, I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to work on this. I'm going to let it go. You know, the body is concerned with healing the wound. Say forgiveness with me again. Forgiveness. Jesus knew that God was a loving God. He was a forgiving God. And he was a father who loves to forgive. Jesus also knew that forgiveness was the only way to begin the rectification of the human mistakes. Boy, I know I'm preaching relevant because I know how our world operates. And I want you to hear me carefully make this statement because... I realize that most of you, in a certain fashion, don't agree with what I'm about to say because you continue to do it, but just look at somebody and say, by the end of the message, I'm going to agree with Pastor. <laughs> now listen to me. Blaming doesn't heal anything. Say it again. Blaming doesn't heal anything. Pardoning does. Pardoning does. All of us want to be forgiven. Almost every day, really every day of my life, I hear myself, see myself operating or functioning in some kind of a manner that I'm looking to the Lord and say, oh, forgive me. Or looking at someone that I come in contact or love and say, will you forgive me? I'm sorry. It's almost something that all of us, you know, and we, we want to be forgiven. All of us want to be forgiven, but we're not so quick to release our offenders. We don't always do that. Now in Matthew, the sixth chapter, at the close of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus finishes the Lord's Prayer after he says amen. And here's what the words in red say. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do y'all understand that's not my opinion? That's what the Bible says? You can read it in any translation. If you forgive, you can be forgiven. If you choose not to forgive, you cause something to happen. God doesn't make any bones about it. He doesn't do anything but say it straight like it is. Forgiveness is very important. Would you think it's important this morning? Now, forgiveness is an act of your will. It is something you choose to do. And forgiveness is unconditional. It's something that you should realize is unconditional. And I want you to hear me say this. Forgiveness is not based on the behavior of the other person. Has nothing to do with the other person's behavior. You can say, well, that person's behavior is not acceptable. That's fine. It may not be acceptable, but that has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. We, we have this tendency to add all of these conditions that seem reasonable to us, and then we want to say, well, you know, if you do this, this, and start listening to things, and then we'll say, well, I'll forgive. But God doesn't add conditions. He simply says, at all times, in all situations, I'm asking you to forgive. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that the whole world could be forgiven of their sins. Forgiveness. You know... Abraham Lincoln was asked, after the war, what will be your first priority when this war is over? You know the Civil War, the war of the North against the South, Americans fighting against other Americans. And he says, what will be your first priority after the war? Lincoln said, that is rather an easy question to answer. The first morning after the hostility ceases, I will greet the day with a forgiving spirit. He said, listen at this, forgiveness allows me to be an effective husband, father, friend, and leader of this country. I'm going to say it again. He said, forgiveness allows me to be an effective husband, father, friend, and leader of this country. So the question that I ask from this is, what does forgiveness have to do with being effective? What does my... Ability to forgive, how does it affect anything? What, what makes me effective when I forgive? So let me just talk to you for a minute. How many of you 
I'm sure it's you, never me, have been so angry and so upset with someone that all you could think about was how this horrible person treated you so bad and was so rude and so unkind and so mean. How many of you have ever been controlled by how bad somebody has been to you? I know it's you, not me. I'm getting mad just talking about it. You think about this person when you could be sleeping. You think about this person and all of the things you'd like to say. You just keep planning these scenarios of what you're going to say to them. When, when, when you get a chance to talk to them, you're going to tell them like it is. Am I talking to anybody? I'm talking to your mate, right? You could be home enjoying an evening with your family and you're sitting there thinking about what somebody did to you and how they treated you and what they said and how they made you mad. Do you realize that the person who offended you is receiving all your energy? They're getting every bit of your ability to do anything. They are consuming it. Everybody with me so far? Am I talking to some other church or this one? Am I talking to you or your mate? <laughs> so, today I want to share a secret with you. And it's a secret called... Forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness is a secret that's hidden in plain sight. It's right there. It's in front of us all of the time. Forgiveness is free. As I said at the beginning of the message, forgiveness costs nothing. It's available to everyone and it's used by few. Forgiveness is worth millions. And it costs you nothing. And you know what else will happen when you forgive? You will be forgiven by others. He said clearly, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Look at somebody and say, I think you need to forgive. So, let me just ask you this question. Just who is it that I'm supposed to forgive? Who is it that I'm supposed to forgive? The answer is everybody. Every single person, every single time, everyone. Say everyone with me. But Pastor Farley, what if they don't ask? 
Do I have to forgive people who don't ask me to forgive them? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Here's what's amazing. First of all, let me just say, most people won't ask you to forgive them who offend you. Most people who offend you don't even have a clue that you are offended. (laughs) Most people that you are so terribly upset with thought you deserved what you got. If you're waiting on the other person to tell you what needs to to be done, if you're waiting on the other person to be in the right frame of mind, you may be waiting for an eternity. Because they may not have a clue. Most of these horrible people who occupy our minds with angry thoughts are actually wondering about life, going on their own way without any knowledge of our feelings or any conviction that, we, that they have done anything wrong at all. So, how do you forgive someone who doesn't ask for forgiveness? We'll try to illustrate this because we think forgiveness is something like knighthood. You know, Jason, if you would come and bow at my feet and acknowledge your wrongdoing, I just maybe, possibly, might grant you the forgiveness that you need. We don't talk about it, but that's most of our perception of forgiveness. If that lowly person who taught and trained and taught me and did me the way they did me would humbly bow in my presence, I would bestow upon them the wonderful, now that has to be in humility, but I would bestow upon them my forgiveness. Are you ready for this? Fasten your seatbelt. There is not a single book, including the Holy Bible. Say Holy Bible. There is not a single book, including the Holy Bible, that says in order to forgive someone, they have to ask for it. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. doesn't say they have to ask for it. Now, think about that for a moment. Where is the rule written that before I forgive people, they have to deserve it? Where's the rule? This is a trophy that I received back in... 1987, I was 35 years old, 
fewest putts in a golf tournament. It's because I missed the greens and could chip it close. But anyway, fewest putts. 1987. I was 35 years old. It is an award given for an achievement. I really wished I had a huge trophy. Some of you have got some big ones. We, we, we used to have a lot of trophies. David out there in the Life Center, you remember sports trophies. They wanted $1,500 for a glass cabinet to put them in, and we threw them away. I could think of better things I could spend money on than a glass cabinet that somebody would walk in there and break. But anyway, here's what I want you to understand. Forgiveness is not a trophy that you get for an achievement. Forgiveness is a gift. A gift that is given to someone. Would you rather have the little gift or the big gift? Huh? What'd you say? You want the little gift? Okay. Who wants the big one? Here you go, Frank. I'm going to give you the big gift. Wasn't deserved. Wasn't earned. To you, your forgiveness may be a big gift. Your forgiveness may be a little gift. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donald. Dave? Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Well, thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Roy. Woo! Looky here. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nan. Whoops. I got so many, I can't hold on to them all. That's good. Huh? But I would have never gotten them had I not given some away. What was the cue to bring a gift? What sparked those of you that brought them to give it? When they saw me give the gift, they knew it was time. To give. Are you wondering 
while you aren't getting what you need in forgiveness. You see, it's more about what you give. Are you listening to me? When I just give forgiveness, I free my own spirit to release anger and hatred that's harbored in my heart. And I can't get free from the anger or the hatred till I release it. By granting forgiveness, I free my spirit to purpose and pursue my future happiness unhindered by the anchors of my past. And forgiveness, when granted to others, becomes a gift back to myself. Wonder who's in charge of your forgiveness. Wonder who is deciding whether you are to be forgiven or not. If you forgive, what will Father do? What will Father do? If you withhold your forgiveness, who stopped Father's forgiveness? He's a good Father. He loves you. He can't bless your stupidity. He can't prosper your inability to obey what blesses you. He knows that when you initiate the forgiveness, you can have what you can disperse. It's amazing to me the people that want to issue law and receive grace. But if you give grace, you receive law. If you give mercy, you receive mercy. If you give forgiveness, for means before. You give before it happens. Do you know when the world, everybody that's on the planet today, do you know when they were forgiven of their sins? 2,000 years ago. You were forgiven. Now, the person who's given the forgiveness is the person who's getting it. Maybe if you're not getting it, maybe you're not giving it. I know I've got some forgiveness for some of you, if I can find it. I hit it because my forgiveness is really precious. We were going out of town three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. 
And I knew some people were going to be staying at our house, and I hid my checkbook. I found it two weeks ago. <laughs> I have wrote over 1,200 checks since that one. <laughs> and it just showed up. It was really precious to me. There was also a $2 bill in there. I carry a $2 bill so I'm never broke. Always have cash. Think about it. Is your forgiveness so precious and so important to you that you keep it hid and you keep it away because your forgiveness is more important than others. I mean, I have discovered that most people living on this planet are unworthy of my wonderful forgiveness. I mean, my forgiveness is so precious to me, I can't just bestow it upon anyone. And since they've never asked for it, I'll just keep it to myself. My life is going to take on a new assurance and a new hope because I've chosen I want to be a person of forgiveness. I want to walk in forgiveness to everyone. I want to forgive those who have despitefully used me. I want to forgive those who have been mean to me. I want to forgive those who have treated me or my family unfairly. I want to be I want to forgive everyone walking planet earth, not because I have such great, but because I need forgiveness every day of my life. I do things that are stupid and dumb to people I love. And I desperately need Forgiveness, and here's what I understand. Forgiveness only has value when it's given away. As long as you are holding on to your forgiveness, it is worth nothing. It's valueless. So as Abraham Lincoln said, I will greet this day and every day of my life with a forgiving spirit. I'm going to choose to walk. Oh, I'm not saying that there are people that I have to struggle and believe and ask God to help me. I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying it's something. But I'm making a conscious choice that I'm going to walk in forgiveness every day of my life. And I will even forgive those who do not ask for forgiveness. What are you saying? Well, I can now and forevermore silently offer my forgiveness to those who do not even think 
they need it. Do you know how many people could care less whether I forgive them or not? Some of the people who have hurt me the worst don't give a rip. Why should I struggle in my pain and hold on to something that is hindering me, not them? Some of you remember me telling the story. I went to our, I don't remember now, I believe it was our 25th year class reunion. And a guy walks up to me and he says, I just want you to know I forgave you. I had to look at his name tag to even see his name. I haven't lost a minute's sleep in 25 years. And I didn't intend to hurt him when I did, but it's obvious I hurt him. He just wanted me to know. He got saved and I, he forgave me. So, here I am. I'm believing God by the act of forgiveness. I'm no longer going to be consumed by unproductive thoughts sitting around, wondering what I should do, how I should do it, what could happen, what could take place. My thoughts can go somewhere else instead of wondering what can I do to do that. My bitterness is given up. I'm content in my soul. I'm satisfied that effective I can be with everybody else because I choose to forgive. Now, let me close with this and I'm going to tell you a story. Your perspective of what I'm preaching today is yours and yours alone. Your perspective is something that you own. Nobody owns your perspective. You have the right to it and you own your perspective and you can take the perspective that I'm totally wrong, that God's totally wrong and that you don't have to forgive and you don't have to walk in forgiveness. You can take that perspective if you want to. Because your perspective is yours. No one can change it. No one can diminish it without your permission. I have not the ability today to change how you think in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Your perspective is your perspective, and you don't have to have the same perspective that I have. You can choose how you're going to see things. And you can continue to see things the way you've chosen to see things, or you can decide I'm going to see things the way God's Word declares that I should your perspective but perception and perspective are not the same thing perception and perspective are two different things you can choose how you see things but perception is how a situation is perceived with the facts of the moment. With the facts of the moment, I may see something and my perception of what just happened may be that this was negative, that this person meant this negative, that they are trying to be mean. And in the moment they said something or did something and my perception of this moment is, you did me wrong. That's my perception. And I can pick up something in my perception of the moment against you 
that I've got to choose whether or not that's going to be my life's perspective. I've lived long enough and I've been through enough things that when the moment when something seemed to be not good, <laughs> when my perception of something was, this is horrible, this is terrible, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me, when my perception is, with what I just saw and what I just experienced, this is the worst thing I could ever have. And I could allow my perception of the facts of that moment to take on the perspective of life that I have. But perception of the moment and perspective are not the same thing. Perspective has to do with what one decides the facts of that moment mean in terms of direction towards the ultimate desired destination. Your perception is an incident, whatever it may be, could be terrible. could be a terrible thing that happened. Your perception is that this thing could turn out, your, your perspective could be this thing could turn out that looks bad right now to be a good thing. Dealing with things with our kids. Our perception could be one thing. Our perspective could be something else. My daughter looked at me the other day. and She said, Daddy, I'm where I need to be. Get over it. God's got me where God wants me. And you need to let go. And I'm thinking of all of the reasons I don't want my baby where my baby is. And forgiveness hit me right between the eyes because my perception and God's perspective aren't the same. I want my perspective to be God's perspective, not Stuart's perspective. I want to know what it is that God sees and why He has allowed certain things to come into my life happen the way they've happened. They have prepared me and conditioned me to be able to do something for Him that I could never do if I had not experienced what I've experienced in my perception of how things were. It has changed me and made me strong to be able to face whatever tomorrow has. And I can face tomorrow with a head up, held high, knowing that I'm going to walk the way God wants me to walk with His perspective. Are you listening to me this morning? Perspective, this is a fact, this is a fact. Perspective is the only thing that can dramatically change the results without changing any of the facts. I could recite you the facts of what has happened and what's taken place. But perspective doesn't change the facts, but it does change how you look at things. I'm going to give you a story and I'll close. Did you know that the average fast food restaurant in the United States of America, the average fast food restaurant in America does $800,000 a year in gross business. The average 
fast food restaurant. Sunday is the best day to own a fast food restaurant because more money is made by far. More money is spent, more money is made at fast food restaurants on Sunday than any other day of the week. Sunday is the number one. There are pages and pages of data data that show this happens Sunday, number one. Perspective. Everybody say perspective. McDonald's looks at this data and says, make hay while the sun shines. McDonald's Looks at make more money on Sunday than any other day. So they bring as many employees as they possibly can in in order to staff the restaurant with the highest number of workers because they can give the best service and provide the best and take care of the most on Sunday. Year after year. Biggest day in fast food is Sunday. It's a fact that is undeniable. Chick-fil-A has all the same data. Chick-fil-A reads all of the same reports. But Chick-fil-A has a perspective that's different than McDonald's perspective. McDonald's says we're going to make hay while the sun shines. We're going to strike while the iron's hot. We're going to do it. Chick-fil-A decides Sunday is the best day for our employees to spend with their families. And they will be much better employees Monday through Saturday, if they know they're going to be off every Sunday. Besides, we would like all of our employees to go to church and be involved in church on Sunday. And Chick-fil-A's perspective is, we don't work on Sunday. Two perspectives. The average fast food restaurant Across the board in America does $800,000 a year. The average restaurant in each of their restaurants, what they act do, average in their store. The average McDonald's does $2,600,000 per store in their restaurant. A little bit above average. Their perspective is make hay while the sun shines. Chick-fil-A only makes $4 million a year. Two different perspectives. We got Christians who believe they can harbor unforgiveness And shine for God. And that's their perspective. I ain't harming nobody. 
So I'm going to stay mad. And then we got Christians who say, I'm going to forgive and walk in the love of Jesus and I'm going to accept people where they are and I'm going to forgive people all the time. I'm just going to keep on loving, accepting, and forgiving, loving, accepting, and forgiving and walk it out. And that's perspective they have. You'll have to choose what your profit is at the end of time.